Thank you all for coming to be with us here this morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. The intro it for the fourth Sunday of Easter, Jubilate. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah chapter 40. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is, is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading is from 1 Peter chapter 2. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your, your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, 
mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 16th chapter. A little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, Is this what you are asking yourselves, what I meant by saying, A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what now? What are we supposed to do now that we have officially reached the halfway point of the season of Easter? Or maybe to talk about more worldly things, what are we supposed to do now that tomorrow they are finally going to start relaxing restrictions. They're finally going to start trying to phase into that opening, which I'm sure most of us desperately want to have happen. But at the same time, we're also likely a little bit wary, a little bit concerned. Is this too early? Is this too late? We don't really know. So then, what are we as Christians supposed to do now? Now that in a very unique time of our lives, we are coming down from the mountaintop experience of Easter, while at the same time, maybe being hopeful that we're starting up the slope of dealing with this virus. What are we supposed to do now? Well, the truth is that we are supposed to do the exact same thing that we've always done. And our intro, it shows what that is. Listen again to our intro it for today and hear about the truth of what we are supposed to do now. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. 
say to God, how awesome are your deeds? So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. Who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Alleluia. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Alleluia. So did you get the hint? Did you see what our intro is encouraging us to do? In many ways, it truly is just the same thing that we have always done, the same thing that we have always been called and encouraged and motivated to do. We are to sing praises to God. We are to tell people what he has done for us. The, in, the psalm that our intro is pulled from is truly a psalm of praise about what God has done for his people in Egypt. About how God took the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, took them through the Red Sea, led them through the desert, and finally brought them to a land flowing with milk and honey. As we heard about quite a bit last week. And that is what he has done for his people back then. That's not even to speak about what he's done for us. About what he did when he came down to be one of us and died on the cross for our sins. But maybe even again, that's talking about 2,000 years ago. And that's talking about what he did for everyone. What about what he's done specifically for you? Have you looked back at your life and seen the places where God has come to you and done things for you, fulfilled promises for you that he made? Maybe that's as simple as looking back and remembering your baptism. Remembering the waters that are still in you, still cleansing you of your sin. The place where God came to you and created faith inside of you. Or maybe it's not quite as simple. Maybe it's looking back at a time when God reached down and saved you from a car accident or from a disease. Or maybe a time he didn't save you from something and you learned a valuable lesson from it. If we take the time to look back even on our own personal lives, we can quickly find times when God was there with us, when God was saving us, leading us, teaching us. And it is good, right, and salutary that we should think about those times and that we should praise God for what he has done for us. But maybe one of the things that we don't think about praising him for as much is praising him for his power. Because the truth is that his enemies do come cringing to him. The truth is that the devil is no more powerful than God is. In fact, he's nowhere near as powerful as God is. I think oftentimes we forget that the devil is not the king of hell. The devil is not ruling down there somehow. He is, in fact, if anything, simply the strongest and most powerful of the prisoners who are stuck in hell. Make no mistake, if he could leave, he would. 
And make no mistake that he knows what is going to happen to him. Because he knows how much more powerful God is than him. He knows that he is destined for that eternal lake of fire. There is nothing that can stop that from being true. For God has decreed it. And God has the power to make that happen. And we should praise God for that. Because he has the power to protect us. And the power to care for us. And it's easy enough for us to look around now and see things that we can praise him for even this very day. We can praise him for the fact that he created the world in such a way that we're able to study it and able to come up with things like radio transmitters or live streams. That we can reach out and see people and communicate with them even when we can't see each other face to face. Or we can simply look around at this day that our Lord has given us. A beautiful day. Hardly any wind. Just the right temperature for what you want it to be when you got to sit out in a hot car. This is the graciousness of our Lord. Even these little things that in the grand scheme of things aren't that important, he blesses us with. He gives us because he cares for us. And therefore, we praise him. But how does he actually do so many of these things? And perhaps in our intro for today, the easiest place to see when he does these things is that he is the one who has kept our soul among the living and that he is the one who has not let our feet slip. And how does he do that? How does he keep our soul among the living? Well, for starters, it's what we would usually refer to as his divine providence, which is to say that our Lord is still, even now, actively involved in caring for the things that he created. That is to say that even now he is actively involved in ensuring that you have what you need to survive. And maybe what that looks like is that looks like him ensuring that the sun rises. Maybe what it looks like is him ensuring that the crops grow up in the field. Maybe what that looks like is him ensuring that you have ways in order to buy what you need. This is all how he cares for his people and how he cares for everyone on earth. Even the very birds that many of you can probably hear singing right now. He cares even for the smallest of things through his power and through his will. But that's not the only way he does it. In, in some ways, there's another way that he cares for us that is just as important. And that is through our vocation. Our vocations are simply the roles that God has given us in our lives. And the vast majority of those times, those roles are dedicated to serving other people. Perhaps the easiest place that we can look at and see this is we can see the vocation of the family. Do you want to know the primary way that God has provided for children to be cared for in this world? That God has ensured that children are loved protected, and provided for? He gives them parents. He gives them parents who love them and care for them and provide them and protect them. 
And he charges those parents with the duty and the responsibility to care for those children. He charges them with the duty and the responsibility for, to care for them even as they grow older and they have children of their own. And do you want to know the primary way that God has provided in the world for adults as they get older to be cared for and provided for? He gives them children. Children who they themselves care for. Children who, now that they are grown, will need to start taking care of their parents a little bit more. This is perhaps the easiest place that we can see the vocations that God has given us. But of course, there's so many more than that. There's the vocations that are in the church. There are the roles that God has created in order to ensure that his word and his sacrament are given to his people. And then there's the vocations of the civil world. We see that perhaps even more clearly now than we usually do. We see it in the vocations of the governors and the local government as they try to figure out how to do the best thing in order to care for the people that they have been charged to care for. People that they have been charged to care for by God. Or we can look at the doctors doctors who are fighting on the front lines in order to ensure that people survive this virus. Or you can look at the farmers, the farmers who have to go out into the fields and continue working it, virus or no virus, in order to ensure that everyone still has food and that there is not a famine that follows after this plague. And those really are just the easy examples. There are so many of these vocations and each of us has more than one to fill. But all of them were given to us and charged to us by God in order that we can care for our neighbor. And this is truly one of the primary ways that our Lord ensures that that care happens. That our Lord ensures that we are cared for, for those physical needs. But of course, he doesn't just leave us with our physical needs. He also recognizes that he needs to ensure that our feet do not slip. And perhaps the easiest way that he does this is by reminding us that we're walking on ice. It's so easy for us to forget that we are sinners. Every single one of us. And not only to forget that truth, but to forget that we want to sin. That our corrupted nature inside of us keeps on rising up and trying to get us to do things making us feel like we want to do things that really we know we actually don't want to, but it feels like we do. And therefore, because that's so easy to forget, we need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. Reminded of it so that we can be wary, so that we can be cautious, so that we can be vigilant in order to make sure that as we're walking on this ice, we don't just decide to go tobogganing down it. but instead that we are as careful and cautious as possible. But of course, that is not the only thing he gives us. He doesn't just give us a warning. He doesn't just threaten us with the punishment for our sin, though he does do that. He gives us his means of grace. He gives us his word 
which speaks to us and reminds us of the truth that we are forgiven on account of what our Lord did for us on the cross. Reminds us of the truth that even now we don't have to worry. We don't have to feel guilty. We don't have to be concerned about where we're going to spend eternity. Because our Lord ensured where our destination was through his sacrifice. He ensured that we would be with him in everlasting bliss forever. And he rose from the dead on Easter to prove that truth to us. To prove that he had the power over death. And to prove that even though we will likely die, that we would be raised as well. But our Lord is so generous that he didn't just give us his word, he also gave us his sacraments. He gave us that baptism, that, that time and that place in our life where, in a very real sense, he brought us through the Red Sea. He cleansed us in the waters, putting inside of us the Holy Spirit that creates that faith inside of us that we need to receive the gifts that he offers. And he gives us his communion, his very own body and blood, the chance to partake of the sacrifice that he made of his body and give us the forgiveness that we so desperately need and the strength and nourishment of our faith that we need every day. By dwelling in us richly and working to ensure that we dwell in him through this word and sacrament that he has given us, he ensures that it is true that our feet will not slip. And that even if we do, even if we do mess it up, that forgiveness is ours. We don't need to stress. We don't need to worry about what happens if we mess up. That we can trust and rely on the promises that he has made to us. Promises which are easily seen in creation and how he cares for creation and us through that. But also promises that we can see in our spiritual lives as well. And it is these things, because of the way that he cares for us, because of the way that he loves us, because of the reminders that he gives us that cause us to want to sing praises to our Lord and that cause us to want to fulfill our vocations as dutifully as we can. And that is the way of the Christian. We tell people about the awesome deeds of, the, of our God, about what he has done for us, both us as a group, but also us as individuals. And we also serve people in our vocations, recognizing that as we serve our neighbors and as we serve the people around us, we are serving our Lord and Savior, who has already done so much to serve us. Make no mistake, things are probably not going to be the same. Things are probably not going to be the way that we remember them, even as we are phasing in to a reopening of everything. Even as we come down from the mountaintop of Easter, things are going to be different. We're going to be reminded that there is still suffering in the world as if we need any more, but they're going to be there. And we will recognize that there is going to be pain, even on the way of a Christian, even in the path that our Lord has set before us. But as much as we know that, as much as we recognize that, we look forward in hope. 
And I don't mean some sort of fanciful wish when I say hope. I mean we look forward in faith, knowing that our Lord will follow through on the promises that he has made us. Knowing that the day will come when one way or another our Lord will take us from this valley of the shadow of death. Our Lord will take us from this pain and this suffering in this world. He will show us what it truly means to be his children. What it means to be in his presence eternally. Loved and cared for and protected and provided for. So what do we do now as Christians? We do the same thing we've always done. We praise our Lord for what he has done for us. And we continue to fulfill our vocations in this world. We continue to be good parents. We continue to be good employees and good bosses. We continue to be good congregation members as we come and hear what God has done for us and receive the gifts that he offered. Trusting that the day will come when our Lord comes. And looking forward to that day in hope. Knowing that our Lord will come through for us. And knowing that that day is coming. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.